Hello and welcome to Praying on Purpose. Today, as we know, is a significant day on the Jewish calendar, Aser B'teves. And although we focus our conversations here almost exclusively to talk about matters of prayer, of tefillah, I would like to take a step back for a moment today, talk a little bit about Aser B'teves, and use it as an opportunity to reflect, hopefully in a very positive and concrete way, on ways that we can inspire our prayers all throughout the year. But before doing so, let us take a moment to talk about Aser B'teves. What is the significance of, the, of this day? The Navi Zechariah in the 8th chapter tells us that on the Jewish calendar we have four days that have been established to commemorate and to mourn events associated with the Churban Beis HaMikdash. The Navi actually presents them not in chronological order, but in sequential order, assuming that the Jewish year begins in the month of Nisan. He presents them as fasts that are associated with months of the year. Ko Amar Hashem Tzivakos Tzom HaRavi'i the fast of the fourth month, which is referring to Shavasa Batamas, which we observe in the summertime, Som HaChamishi of the fifth month, which is Tishabav, Som HaShvi'i, the fast of the seventh month, which is Tzom Gedalia, and finally Tzom HaSiri, bringing us to the day that we are observing today, Asar B'teves. And actually over here in this context, the Navi tells us that these days will ultimately be transformed into days of Sason, Ulesimcha, Lamadim Tovim. The Navi tells us that these days, while today we mourn, will ultimately become days of rejoicing and celebration. Why is it that we fast on Aser Teves? So it's important to note that this time of year in general, specifically this part of the month of Teves, is a day that is marked with significance because there were several very significant tragedies that occurred throughout the course of Jewish history. But Aser Teves, in particular is singled out as the day in which Nebuchadnezzar Melech Bavel laid a siege around Yerushalayim. And this was an event which ultimately led to the destruction of the Beis Amigdash. On Tishabav, uh, this day was actually uh, foretold by the Navi Yechezkel years before it occurred. But in Sefer Malach and Perik Beis, the Navi tells us that on this day, Be'asar Lachodesh, the 10th of the 10th month, Ban Nebuchadnezzar Melech Bavel, Hu V'chochei Lo'al Yerushalayim, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, came with his entire army, Vayichan Olecha and they encamped around Jerusalem, ultimately entrenching themselves, seeing to it that the city of Yerushalayim would ultimately be destroyed. And as we know, this was, in fact, what occurred. This, of course, is talking about the destruction of the first base of Mikdash. There were two Bate Mikdash that were destroyed, but this particular event is the event that ultimately led to the destruction of the first base of Mikdash. Now, as far as we know, from our experience, Asar B'teves is what we call a minor fast, which means as opposed to certainly Yom Kippur and perhaps even Tishabav, Tzom Gedalia, uh, Shavasa Batamas, Asar B'teves, these fast days, while they are important for one who is healthy, there is a fair degree of flexibility and accommodation that the uh, halach allows for somebody who is even uh, slightly compromised as far as their health is concerned. I don't really want to discuss this now because that's not really for the purpose of this conversation, but I'll use that as an opportunity to reflect upon something that is very significant. Many may, may be familiar with the following very interesting idea. The Beis Yosef quotes from the Abu Draham, which is a very early source, that when Asar B'tavis comes out on Shabbos, we would in fact fast even on Shabbos. Now that is quite significant because as we know, the only time that we ever fast on Shabbos is Yom Kippur. In fact, even Tishabav, which is a very, very significant day, and it's considered to be a very serious fast day compared to Asar B'teves, we even push that off. If, and this happens quite often, if Tishabav falls out on Shabbos, we push off the fast until Sunday. We do not observe the fast until the following day. And so therefore it's quite striking and quite remarkable, the Abu Jaham tells us that when Asar B'teves comes out on Shabbos, we would fast even on Shabbos. Now, in case you're wondering, wait a second, 
When was the last time that we ever fasted on Shabbos for Aserbatavis? The answer is we didn't. Because the way our calendar is uh, set up, it just so happens that Aserbatavis never actually falls out on Shabbos. The closest we get is Friday, and we do in fact fast when Aserbatavis comes out on Friday, which is also unusual, because normally we would not fast even on an Arab Shabbos. But be that as it may, even though it doesn't happen in our experience, the fact that this particular fast is singled out as a fast that we would fast, even on Shabbos, is something that certainly sparks the curiosity and the interest of many who try to understand, why is that so? Because really, fundamentally, this fast is considered, like I said, it's like a minor fast. It's certainly not considered as, you'll forgive me, as serious as Tisha B'Av. And if Tisha B'Av is a fast that we would push off till Sunday, then we would say certainly Kavachomer when it comes to Asar B'teves, but that's not so. Apparently, there is something about the, the fast of Asar B'teves which makes it, in a certain regard, more serious. Now, there are many answers to this question, but I want to focus briefly on one answer that is cited in the Sefer Yaros Devash, Rabbi Yonasan Eibshitz, and he says that the reason why this particular fast is considered so significant is because it marks an event which was the first, chronologically, in a sequence of events that ultimately led to the Beis HaMikdash. And he points out that often in life, we focus on sort of the end result. We look at what occurs at the end, and what, whatever the event may be, if it's an opportunity for us to celebrate, so we look at that and we sort of focus on that. And if it was, as it was in this case, a, a tragic event, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, we focus almost naturally on the end result. What has happened? What has occurred? And the answer is the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, and that becomes, in some cases, our exclusive focus. Look at the great tragedy that has befallen us. But he points out that that's actually a mistaken point of view, because in life we would probably be better served if we realized and appreciated that most events in life don't occur in a vacuum. Most things don't just happen out of nowhere, but rather they are a result, they are a consequence of things that had happened previously. And perhaps the reason why Yasser Bateves is considered to be such a significant day is because it was the first event which ultimately led to a series of events which led very tragically at the end to the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Uh, it was, as we could say, sort of the, the beginning of the end. And this is a very, very, I think a very significant point. Because again, when we think about our accomplishments and our failures in life, we, again, sometimes sort of focus on the sort of the bottom line, where are we? As opposed to realizing and appreciating that, as we say in the Chadodi on Friday night, sof maseh b'machshava techila. You know, the, the, the action at the end, the end result is often a consequence of a machshava techila. There was sort of a thought. There was something that happened in the beginning which created a cascade of events which ultimately brings me to where I am right now. Why is this relevant to our discussions of tefillah? So I think on a very practical level, there's a very important message over here, which we can apply to many aspects of life, but prayer in particular. We've been having many conversations, particularly on Tuesday, and today is a Tuesday, on how to pray. We focus on many aspects of kavana, and most recently we talked about the direction in which we pray, and how we position ourselves, and every aspect from bowing and three steps. And of course, there's a lot more that we will cover, Be'ezra Sashem, in the conversations we have going forward. But just to take a moment and to state a point which needs to be said, maybe from the very beginning, and that is that the way we start to daven, the way we prepare ourselves in that moment, the way that we position ourselves from the outset will often, not always, but will also often have a very significant impact on the end result. And I think all too often in life, unfortunately, 
uh, when we are beginning to daven, we are sort of coming from something else. We don't allow ourselves that natural transition that is necessary in order to prepare ourselves for tefillah. And this is not merely a conversation around hachana, around preparation, which we've started to have a little bit, but it's, it, it, I'm making a different point. And that is that the way, the tone that we set from the outset will really have a very significant impact on that which will follow. So, for example, the Shulchan Aruch and Simon Sadi Gimel tells us, based on the Gemara and the Mishnah in Masachas Brachos, lo yamod lihispalel ele be'ema which means that a person should literally not stand, but what it means is he should not start to daven, a person has to get himself into a certain mindset. Ema means from a sense of, of awe, maybe even we'll say fear, submission. There has to be a certain state of mind, a certain state of being, before I even start to daven. A person should not even begin to daven if I am very playful and very joyful and very lightheaded and angry, if there is a certain state of mind that is totally preoccupying myself, my being, so I have to first prepare myself. And, and as the Mechavah goes on to say, a person should be able to daven from a place of simcha. And it's interesting to note that ema and simcha are not mutually exclusive. That's another very, very interesting point over here. And that is that we can daven from a place where we are simultaneously in a state of yira, aim of a hachna'a, and at the same time, simcha. And that touches upon another thought that we have to come back to another time, the idea that we can hold conflicting emotions, or what appears sometimes to be conflicting emotions within ourselves simultaneously. But the idea over here is very clear, and that is that if we want our prayer experience to be successful, we have to really, really think about how we begin that process. And when you think about it, a starting point is just a point in time. It's not, it's not going to be a long time at all. So if I daven chakras and it takes me a half hour, 45 minutes, so you would think that the bulk of my energy and my attention should be on, you know, the 44 minutes, not the first minute. But what we see over here is how we start is going to really have a significant impact on that which follows. And so therefore, while I wouldn't say that this is a direct, clear connection between Asar Beteves and davening in general, I think that Asar Beteves, given the fact that it is seems to be distinguished in the sense that it is, on a certain level, considered to be a more serious fast day, and as the Yaros Devash tells us, this is because of the fact that it was the beginning of the end. Asar Beteves is a day that we commemorate an event that occurred that ultimately led a significant time later, but led to the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, we dare not dismiss this event as being insignificant, given how things unfolded. To the contrary, we should look at the way things started, because the way things start often have a very significant impact on what happens down the line. This is an important message in life and a lesson in general, but I would say on a most practical level, particularly when it comes to davening, the way we start, the way we begin, will have a significant impact and influence on how our prayers will ultimately unfold and what we will feel like, what we will feel that we accomplished and achieved at the end of that process. There is no guarantee. We can do all that we need to do from the outset, and something can happen. We can get distracted. Something could occur which will disrupt that process. That goes without saying. Sometimes we just need to roll with the punches. But if we want to set ourselves up for success, it would seem that the way to do so is be mindful of how we are omid lehispalel, how we begin that process, how we start davening, and what should we do beforehand in order to see to it that this particular prayer will be a successful experience, that my efforts will be fulfilling and I will feel that I accomplished something. And the way to do so is, in addition to many other things that we have and will continue to learn, to make sure that we get off to a good start. 
Thank you so much. Have a meaningful fast and a nice day. <laughs>